0: Welcome to episode nine with Dr. Rudy Thompson, professor at University of North Texas and director of the Dallas Environmental Education Initiative. Hi, I'm Lynn Christopher, education coordinator at the San Antonio Water System. This is the podcast that helps you succeed at doing the work that matters. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie and Ariane. we're dedicated to sharing stories that demonstrate how communication and collaboration move things forward. If you wanna overcome your challenges, then you have to build relationships. Each week, we bring you an inspiring person or resource to give you the tools to curate connections with your customers that create impact.
1: If you start asking yourself the if and the how questions, you spend a lot of time and energy on the negative side. and. Um, Right? If there was a good purpose for it, I could understand. But So I just don't. I just do it.
2: Today we are chatting with Dr. Rudy Thompson from the University of North Texas. She teaches us how intergenerational transfer multiplies the impacts of children learning about water conservation. Dr. Thompson says that's just a fancy way to say kids guilt their family members into conserving water. <laughs> Learn how Dr. Thompson used quantifiable data to show that commitment to saving water was translating into actual water savings, and that research doesn't always need to be complicated. Sometimes all you need are some water bills and an Excel spreadsheet. Well, without further ado, let's get to the show. Dr. Rudy Thompson is a UNT Distinguished Teaching Professor, Director of the Science Education Research Laboratory, and Director of the Dallas Environmental Education Initiative, Rudy worked as a high school biology teacher, created and taught an AP environmental science course, and co-developed the Elm Fork Environmental Education Center on the campus of the University of North Texas. All of these experiences culminated 12 years ago when the City of Dallas Water Conservation and Recycling Divisions put out a request for proposals for the design, development, and implementation of an environmental education initiative. UNT's proposal was selected, and in these 12 years since, the EEI science educators have provided direct inquiry-based resource conservation instruction to more than 229,200 learners from pre-K through gray within the city of Dallas. Thank you so much for being here with us, Dr. Thompson. We're so excited to talk to you today and also to have you as a catalyst speaker. So thanks for being here with us today.
1: Thanks. I'm excited.
2: All right. So um, we touched on the EEI program a little bit in your bio. But can you please expand on that a little more and explain what that program is? And then also, what are the intended outcomes for the program?
1: Well, the program truly is just education. I mean, it it really is that simple and um, it's really about saving water. Again, very, very simple. Um, But it's not just for today. I think that's the the big deal is we're not looking at the outcomes for today um, so much as the idea that if we successfully change the behavior of the youngest among us, um, we can exponentially affect the amount of water saved way beyond our lifetimes.
2: Yeah, we saw you present at the uh, Water Educator Network of North Texas meeting in Dallas when they hosted and that was one of the things I remembered you talking about in terms of a strategy was educating those ratepayers young before they get out into the real world and start actually paying their water bills to really kind of instill that value of water into them. So I think that's a, that's a great strategy.
1: <laughs> You're absolutely right. With adults we have to break a habit and then make a new habit. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, with kids, we can make a habit before it needs to be broken. Right? We can instill the positive habit. Um, and then the other thing that kids often do, and and uh, has a fancy term called intergenerational transfer. Basically, it's guilt. Um, kids can <laughs> guilt their parents into, or or their siblings into following those behaviors as well. So. Our kids can, you know, turn the water off for their parents when the parents are brushing the teeth, or they tell them about it, or so um, we kind of get a two for by educating kids.
2: Yeah, that's like killing two birds with one stone. That's very efficient. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what would you say um, is the EEI's biggest success in your opinion? Like, where where have you seen the greatest impact?
1: You know, that's a tough one to answer. Um, we've been doing it for twelve years, and so um, I'm proud of 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 a lot of the things, obviously, that we've done or the accomplishment that we've made. But um, I think that our biggest uh, success is that we have had interactions with more than a half million learners. So the 230,000, essentially, that you talked about earlier, those were all uh, pre-K through 12 uh, students. And so uh, including the citizens in the city of Dallas that we have also uh, had direct face-to-face interactions with. It's about a half million learners. Um, again, the interactions are face-to-face, right? So they're inquiry-driven, they're commitment-inspired, and they're tangibly focused. Yeah. We get to both the why we wanna save water and the how to save water. So we think that's really, really important is that, that interaction, that face-to-face interaction. I think the second part is if you take these numbers and you project the potential water savings, Let's just say that these, these folks that have committed, these 513,000 learners that have committed to saving water, if they only save 10 gallons per day, um, that would be a total cumulative savings of over 22, almost 23 billion gallons of water over these 12 years.
2: Mm. Um, that's actually a perfect segue into our next question that was um, about the subject that you spoke about at Catalyst, which was all about measurement assessment. So I was excited when, I, when we reached out to you to be a speaker at Catalyst that that was something that you're, that you're passionate about. So can you tell us why it matters so much to you?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, what I was just talking about was the projected savings, right? This would be considered qualitative data. These are data that are based on what participants told us they were willing to do but not an actual measurement of water use in the homes of these half million people, Mm -hmm. right? So in truth, in fact, the number, the water savings could be statistically significantly higher or statistically significantly lower. And that's the struggle using qualitative analysis. That's the trouble with survey type data. It's extremely difficult to authenticate. So it truly what inspired me to find a way to quanti- quantify water savings to ath- authenticate whether or not commitment to saving was translating into the action of saving. Um, that's what got me going in the type of research that I'm doing today.
0: Yeah, that's, you know, measurement was always something that we struggled with when working for cities. We got so caught up in planning an event or a program that, you know, the, the measurement or the assessment evaluation was always an afterthought. I mean, let's face it, I'm I'm a creative. I don't crunch numbers. So <laughs> even just something I dreaded to do. So how can educators shift that mindset and lead with measurement?
1: Well, you know, first I have to say I'm guilty of that too. <laughs> <Woo>. uh, <laughs> I did not know how or if I was going to be able to quantitatively Quantitatively analyze water savings when this program began. Um, it it I spent years in that struggle. Um, in this business, we know that um, a lot of what we do is qualitative. We survey, did this help? Did this work? You know, how many people did this? Um, it, those are, are are nebulous numbers that really don't have a an end product that somebody wants to hang on to, right? It's not tangible. So, To tell you the honest truth, what truly moved me from qualitative to quantitative was I was having a a philosophical debate, shall we say, um, with some individuals who were advocating more for spending money for advertising uh, versus for education, okay? And they were talking about, but you can measure the success of advertising because I can tell you that this many people will see this ad that's on television, Okay, this many people or potential viewers will see this billboard. And my whole point was, how do you know that they actually saved water? Are you going to, you know, check the water bills of these hundreds of thousands of of viewers? Um, And that's when it hit me um, that actually I could do that. So what what I did was I said, okay, you know, your budget is three to four times more than what my budget is. Um, So I'm going to figure out a way to demonstrate that with the small amount of money that I'm getting, you can actually verify and authenticate the amount of water that's being saved. Uh, And I think that this method that could be used by educators everywhere, right? So again, I don't think we need to reinvent the wheel. There are lots and lots of creative types. That's not me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I learn from the, the creative types and then other people can use this same type of uh, data analysis that I do, um, and you can authenticate your own programs wherever you are throughout the United States and beyond.
0: That is an amazing discovery, I feel like, <laughs> um, because that is that is definitely, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it took a professor that long to figure it out because that makes me feel like, oh, good, I, I wasn't, it wasn't because I was just, you know, <laughs> Inept. Inept. I, it's really a difficult um, thing to quantify, and and you found a golden ticket, I feel like.
1: You... I do, too. I do, too. I am really excited about it, and I'm and I'm so glad that I got to share it at the conference. Um, so I'm hoping that there can be a lot more collaborations with it, and we can all learn from each other on, on the, the different ways it can be used effectively.
2: Absolutely. Um, can you explain, just real quick, kind of like what that look like in terms of how you took the information from the people who participated in your program and then extrapolated that to figure out how many gallons? It was based on their uh, their zip codes, correct?
1: That's absolutely correct. Um, So, you know, one of the problems with quantitative data, as um, in the conference we talk about, um, with qualitative data, is... um, again you can't authenticate it so what we did was we and also with qualitative data you're you're in the middle so there is what's called a teacher effect or researcher effect right where you're kind of um directly involved the the problem that happens when you're directly involved like you're the one who's delivering it and collecting the data is that you could just be about you right you could be the most in, in amazing communicator that has ever existed, and that's why the program's working versus the program, right? So what we did was I removed myself from the situation. Um, We go, my certified teachers go, and they teach classes on water conservation in the city of Dallas, and then we actually get the water bills at the end of the year from the city of Dallas, and we get the water bills for the homes of the individuals who we've taught. And we're actually able to look at their uh, the difference in water use. Now, like I talk about in, in the conference, you know there are a lot of variables that have to be considered, and and um, you know we can't ever discount uh, the importance of of making those variables constant. But again, it's a it is a direct way to measure whether there was any effect at all on your um, education. Again, we also ask um, participants to commit. Right, and so we're able to measure the difference between what they have committed to, and what the actual savings is.
2: I think that's going to be um, an incredible journey to watch: is to see people take the creativity that they picked up at Catalyst and be able to have this tool of assessment to show the impact of the programs that they're doing. We're we're so inspired by so many educators and communicators, not only in Texas, but across the nation, so and, and we feel like that's one of the things that sometimes they lack is being able to really show how much impact that they're making on their community. So I feel like having that tool of assessment is gonna be a, a powerful tool for them to have in their toolbox. Um, but going back to Arianne's point of us being informal educators at the city. I mean, you have your doctorate degree, you work full-time in academia, so you kind of reside in that environment of quantifying everything. So how can informal educators like those that do work for municipalities adopt that mindset, and are there any tools and processes out there that you can recommend to help them do that?
1: If you want to convince powers that be that education, whether formal or informal, is important, quote-unquote, uh, then you have to, in my opinion, think along the lines of numbers, mm-hmm. okay? That's, that, that's what's going to move whoever it is that is funding the program. They want to be able to say, this happened, right? Um, and if you put those in dollars and cents, to me, that's even more uh, meaningful to them. So if you look at what I did was I took uh, the water saving projection of the half million people that we have had commitments from. We have pieces of paper where they've committed. Um, And we figured that out, that uh, the projected savings, right, is almost 23 billion gallons. Well, if you turn that into dollars and cents, that would be equal to uh, closing in Dallas, the Central Wastewater Treatment Plant and the Bachman Drinking Water Plant for a minimum of 125 days over 10 years. Oh, wow. When you look at dollars and cents, that's over 3.1 million dollars in savings a year because see when water doesn't go down the drain it doesn't have to be cleaned it doesn't have to be piped and it doesn't have to be shipped to the drinking water plant to be cleaned again so when you figure 3.1 bi- uh sorry million I wish million 3.1 <laughs> million dollars a year is being saved what's the cost of education
2: yeah and i mean and that's a message that gets preached a lot especially at the the water district level is that conservation really is the most cost effective way to manage the growth of this area for many of the reasons that you are saying it requires less water less demand and you know you brought it full circle with with talking about how that's also less water that's going down the drain and therefore going to the wastewater treatment plant so um, yeah, this is just another way that those that are advocating for conservation have another, another perspective that they can show that, that this really is conservation and using less is really the most cost-effective way to manage our, our water resources. Um, so- I mean,
1: when you, you know, whatever program it is that you're wanting to run or you're running, when you can show... You know the offset between the cost of your program and the amount of savings that that um, could potentially be—it's—it's um, it's a hard argument to to go against. You know, yeah. it's hard for a city to say, "No, I don't want to invest this small amount and save this amount. I'm just going to go and spend this big amount over here." Yeah. So I think it's a really effective way to um, to sell your program. Oh,
2: for sure. Um, and just to to kind of revisit the the last end of that question in terms of tools and processes. Is this something that you have like a certain, a special UNT software that you use or is this, are you doing this in Excel and like anyone can do it?
1: <laughs> anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. You can do it in Excel. You can do it in any kind of a stats package. You know, the really neat thing about this research is how simple it is um, because the one of the hardest things in quantitative research is what's called the N or the the population that you're dealing with, you know, some of my colleagues, they do research in areas where they'll have five, you know, oh, and yeah. that's the size of their research body. Well, When you're talking about water use in cities, the size of the cities in Texas, you know, your ends are like in Dallas, you know, close to a million people. And so just a simple T-test, which can be done through Excel, um, but even just running a simple, you know, a simple, um, uh, logic, oh, I don't know what I want to call it here. Um, it's not really a, just, in other words, <laughs> I'm falling all over myself here because I'm trying to make it sound simple. And so of course now I'm making it sound complicated. Uh, but it, it really is simple, okay? Just Excel or any kind of a um, stats package. Um, the other thing that I use that um, is actually free Uh, For anybody to download, um, there is a professional package, of course, and all cities have the professional package, but it is GIS, Hmm. which is Geographical Information Systems, right? And um, that way you can actually show, visualize uh, to whoever it is that you're trying to explain your program to, you can visualize for them where this is happening, right? You can actually geolocate it.
2: Okay, so I don't want to sound I don't want to sound like I'm trying too much to dumb this down, but I'm really speaking from experience. So, because I'm not in a I'm not an Excel extraordinaire. So, if I if I have basic understanding of Excel and I don't know how to do um, a, a T thing that you said, <laughs> like what is how can someone go like what would it be called that they need to. To do like the training to, are there any places that kind of teach you to do that more statistical analysis side of Excel
1: that you know of? Uh, Sure, I mean you know you can go on the Excel help um, desk and type in what it is you want to do, and they'll tell you how to do it. Okay, it really is that simple. Um, When you're looking at so that's for statistical significance. i think for a lot of this like when i talk about statistical significance with the city of dallas they don't care i mean that's not what they're looking at Mm. so that what they got most excited about was this money savings well that's just math right that's just sitting down and putting pen to paper um and doing the calculations so to me that's the most meaningful um the statistical significance is great for people who are academics who want to publish right and it demonstrates that there is that this is something that can be measured but now that it's been measured now that we've demonstrated there is statistical significance as far as i'm concerned that's been done right so everybody out there that follows the same uh, pattern or technique already has that built in um But more of what I'm talking about here is the explanation of the cost uh, ratio, Mm. right? The benefit cost ratio. Mm -hmm. And so that's basic map. Just, you know, in in San Antonio, what's the cost of water in San Antonio? What's the cost of of cleaning water? What's the cost of drinking water? And I didn't even include any of the maintenance, any of the, um, uh, you know, the the pipes, any breakage, any, anything like that. So it's a very conservative number when you're looking at the three million a year. Does that help answer that at yeah,
0: all? For sure. Yeah. We really just want anyone from, you know, just starting out as an educator to be able to, you know, listen to this and be like, okay, I can do this and this is this is where Dr. Rudy says I should start.
1: <laughs> yes. And in the in the conference, um I have the I have how to do it. Perfect. And so I'm going to provide that, or I'm providing that.
0: So, what would you say is your your greatest in your greatest outcome of the EEI program to date?
1: You know, I think it's that we're still here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. This is, is 12 years in a city-funded um, program. Sure. Uh, that, to me, says it all. If and I think that by quantifying things, by, by providing these kinds of data, like I've been sharing with you guys today, uh, that's what's kept us here. Uh, the first RFP was for one year. The second RFP was for two years. The third one was for five years. Wow. Um, and then the the one we're in now. And so I don't think that you can continue the life of a program unless you're able to show that it is doing what they are expecting it to do.
0: What are y'all gonna do when you uh, get more cities going, well, I wanna send an RFP for that. (laughs) I want that in my
1: city. We want to replicate. I've been seeking replication. Okay. So that's the next stage of of my research. Um, My my dream, and and I've talked to the, the city about this and they're on board with it as well, My dream would be to replicate it first in another uh, city in the state of texas for instance san antonio Um, specifically because san antonio already does so much in water savings i think that that we're going to be able to find some some statistically significant importance very quickly because you guys already do so many things Uh, then i want to replicate it in another city in the south maybe like florida um or another um um, city in in a large largely populated state in the south uh, and then ultimately I uh, have some contacts in Australia and I'd like to replicate it um, abroad Australia also does a lot of water conservation there's a lot of, of really great a uh, lot of really great water uh, educators and researchers so replication is the next step um, I just have to find somebody who who wants to jump on board and do it with me
0: if I was running
2: a city, I would call you right now and say, yes, Dr. Rudy, come yeah, on for, down. For all you cities listening, I want you to say challenge accepted yes. and hit her up. We'll give yeah. you her contact info. <laughs> um, yeah, let's do it. I want to know Dr. Rudy's
0: favorite story that's come out of this program. Is there a favorite um, kid or family or school that ha- just blew you away? Like, what keeps you doing this for 12 years?
1: Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> it's important. I think that's that's what keeps me, right? I have a, a son of my own. Uh, he'll be 22 here in a few days. But, um, you know, I, I think the the professional developments that we do with teachers, uh, we've uh, done professional development with more than 3,000 teachers in the city of Dallas and, and hearing from them and the feedback from them. Um, of course, the letters and that we get from kids, the thank you letters and the notes and, and the funny stories, you know, like you'll be teaching and a kid will go, well, I'll just never shower again, you know, or I'll only shower when it rains. And you're like, no, no, baby, shower. <laughs> just take a short one, right? So um, I think it's really neat to, to see, you know, conservation, the conservation ethic in the state of Texas is still fairly new. You know, I'm originally from Oregon, and that's why it's impoverished, is because that's all they do is conserve. Um, And when I came here, you know, it was really a different outlook. Um, So to hear the kids, to hear uh, the teachers really talk about how they've changed their um, use of water, how they've changed their beliefs. um, You know, same with with recycling, because it's still relatively, you know, new, just uh, about 10 years here in this city. So... I think those are the things, right, you know, watching what you're participating in take its kind of take a, um, a role of its own and kind of move on without you and uh, you hear your words through other people uh, and you see the actions that are coming from it. You know, I think that that's the most rewarding part and that keeps me coming back every day.
0: So, uh, Dr. Rudy, what's your favorite book or resource that you can recommend um, us, you know, start
1: reading today? Okay, so two of them. Oh, yes. Okay, so here's the first one. Ah. All right. So much of what I do, well, um, and was, again, was I'll, I'll, make, okay. I'll say the name here in just a second. Okay. <laughs> uh, much of what I do is based on um, an environmental model that was created by Fishbein and that I shared at the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other part of it that I've married with that is social marketing, okay? And so the book that I held up is called Social Marketing, Why Should the Devil Have All the Best Tunes? <laughs> nice. by Gerard Hastings. Um, it's one of my favorites, and and it really does a good job of explaining um, the theoretical background. But a lot of people want the okay, how do I do it, right? So the second one is Hands-On Social Marketing: A Step-by-Step Guide, okay, Perfect. and that one is by Nidra Klein Weinrich. And I think those two books really get you um, get you started and get you uh, understanding how to. Uh, get people to commit to changing behavior and following through on that behavior.
2: I'm so glad you are speaking our language in terms of coupling two things together that some people can't see the relationship or connection with, because that was really the heart at what Catalyst was meant to be, was taking the private world, the public world, the marketing, the education, and just fusing all those things together to make us just as impactful at our work as we could. So I'm so glad that you gave examples of that in terms of the resources that um, you suggested. So to kind of go in tandem with that, what's a tool or process that you use every day that helps you be more productive?
1: All right, it's gonna sound corny, but um, this is my process. I don't ask if it can be done and I don't ask how. You know if it can be done or how can it be done I don't ever ask those questions because those when I ask those questions in my mind that gives me the belief that it's possible that they can't be done mm. um, and I just don't I don't want to ask those questions because I don't want to think that there's a possibility that it might not work so I just do it Wow. I just wow. do it I, I um, just say to myself just keep moving forward knowing everything's gonna be okay um, and that's my my philosophy every every single every single day i mean that's it's corny but it's the absolute truth and i've taught it to everyone that i work with because if you start asking yourself the if and the how questions you spend a lot of time and energy on the negative side and um, it's it, it's not beneficial it's not going to move you forward anyway right if there was a good purpose for it i could understand but so I
0: just don't, I just do it. Uh, Dr. Rudy, I'm going to just go ahead and say, uh, you can bring tears to eyes when you say that kind of thing, because <laughs> whether or not you think that's corny and, you know, people out there listening, um, it resonates with, with them, I don't know, but dang, as, a, <laughs> as someone who just started a new business, you know, if and how it was everybody's question to us and and that is something we've had to just completely put out of our mind just got to do it yeah. you you know that was kind of our our driving factor of why we left the city and and took this crazy leap we just had to do it
1: you know? and you knew so, it needed to be done yeah, yeah. So, right so if not you then who right, right. so why why even if it needs to be done go do it
0: that's right so um we're gonna be Blowing that quote up and putting it
2: on our wall. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, go- that's going on the wall. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, also the most important piece of that, too, was just move forward. And, you know, so many times we felt kind of stuck or what are we going to do? But it was just, hey, you know, as long as we just keep putting <laughs> one foot in front of the other and move forward and not fall back or just not stop and stand still, That's that's been a very important mantra that we've had to incorporate. So that's not cheesy at all to us. That's very timely and very inspiring. So we appreciate that.
1: Absolutely, good.
2: Okay, so now I'm gonna
0: get, I was gonna say a little deep, but I think you just got us there. Um, <laughs> we're in the deep end already. So I wanna know what Dr. Rudy's one call to action is. What, what's the one call to action you're most passionate about and about what you believe in that can change the world in the water world too,
1: education again very simple um, it's a it's a simple um, idea with complex uh, underpinnings but you know my favorite quote and I shared this with you guys before is from uh, Baba Dion yep. right so in the end we will conserve only what we love we will love only what we understand and we'll understand only what we are taught so that's the adage of the EEI, that's the adage of the Science Education Research Lab here at uh, UNT. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's all about the education. Um, we, we do not, I do not believe that I should tell you what's right or wrong in conservation, even in conservation of water. I believe that I should inform you so that you can make um, an informed choice Um, If you still want to use all the water, use it. Right. That's I'm not trying to say all I'm trying to say is a lot of people don't realize what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so our job as water educators is simply to educate them and then allow them to take responsibility for that. And in doing that, then you're not preaching and you're not um, criticizing anyone. You know, you're just making sure that they have all the facts. Right. Just like if if you were gonna take a new medicine, you would wanna have all the facts about that medicine to make sure that you completely understand what the effects are going to be if you take that. Well, it's the same thing, in my opinion, with water. Uh, I Just want you to be fully informed. I want you to understand where it is, how much it is. I want you to understand you know, what cleans it, what dirties it. I want you to understand those that have it, those that don't. Um, I want you to understand everything that you can. And then my honest belief is that most people make the
0: right choice wow that is that's a powerful statement to kind of put in your head or in front of your on your computer or something when you as a water educator as a public educator um or it doesn't matter if it's water or not just anytime you're interacting with the public it's not about you know enforcement and preaching and this and that it's it's truly just about giving you the education you need to make the most informed decision I love I love that
2: And I also loved that uh, that was your quote. I had that quote on my wall when I started this career, well, my career in water education and communication 10 years ago that I read that quote, and it resonated so much with me, and it's it's absolutely right, and that speaks to, to what you just said is that, you know, in the end, most people want to do the right thing. They just... They just don't even know that they don't even know that what they're doing, that there's anything even wrong with it. So and I think that puts us as educators in a better place anyway, because when sometimes when you're in that role and and you're seeing a lot of times people doing what you consider to be, oh, well, that's not right or that's not correct. But then being able to kind of take a step back and look at it big picture and say, well, maybe they just don't know. And it really helps put a more positive spin and putting putting the act of service back on you to give to your community the education that they need to be uh, to make the best decisions and for their for their families and for the community. So we appreciate you so much uh, doing this podcast for us for being a part of Catalyst. As I said before I think the information that you gave them was going to be incredibly powerful tool for them in their Uh, futures as educators and communicators as they try to build out their programs and be able to show the quantify that impact that they're making on their community so greatly appreciate your time and um, again challenge out to all of those utilities out there dr. Thompson needs a new partner Dallas isn't the only one that can have all the EEI funds so So uh, hit her up and uh, we'll put uh, the way you can contact her on our show notes and have a conversation and see where see where that can go. So uh, thanks again for your time.
1: Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.
2: We hope you enjoyed our chat with Dr. Thompson today. You can find the show notes at theh2duo.com backslash water in real life where we have all the resources mentioned in today's episode. We are super passionate about being a resource for the industry and we can only do that with your help. Show us some love by simply subscribing to the podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us as well. We're trying to get the only Duo Run show about water, some shelf space on that iTunes homepage. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore H2 Duo. Be sure to check us out. We love to hear from you. The Catalyst Mastermind Summit in San Antonio was incredible. If you were unable to get in before it sold out, remember that you can always check out the interviews with each of the speakers during the month of June. Just visit the website and get caught up. As Sir George Hawkins said, that's right, I queened myself and knighted him, he addressed the audience of water educators at Catalyst and said, the future of water, ergo the future of civilization, rests firmly on your shoulders, as the communicators and educators tasked with conveying that ever important message. Hashtag challenge accepted. We hope you learned something new, got a little inspired, and most importantly, took action on something today that will move you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.